the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. All hit radio. To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob Vicano. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, exxon at com on all social media sites, TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. Wow. It's another week here in the Exxon. Plenty of things to talk about. We still have the coronavirus pandemic. We have Washington in a tizzy. We have the Canadian border between the United States and uh, Canada. That's going to be closed for a minimum of six months, they're now telling us. And uh, we have, let me see, sanctuary cities. We have cities defunding police departments. The world has gone crazy. And, um, you know, it, you can only blame so much of it on COVID-19. I think the rest of the stupidity must be placed where it belongs, and that is on the people of this planet. For some reason, you know, they're as crazy as bat droppings sometimes. So let's hope together we can come to a peaceful resolution. My guest this hour is Cynthia Sue Larson. She is a best-selling author of several books, including Quantum Jumps, Reality Shifts, and High Energy. Uh, money who uh, helps people live more miraculous lives by accessing the worlds of possibility. Cynthia has a degree in physics from UC Berkeley and an MBA degree, a doctor of divinity, and a second degree black belt in Kuksul Wan. Hey, I think I've had that soup once or twice in a Korean restaurant. That nah, must be something else. Cynthia is the founder of Reality Shifters and is the president of the International Mandela Effect Conference. Cynthia hosts Living and Quantum Dream on Vision, uh, Dream Vision 7 Radio Network and has been featured in a number of shows on radio as well as television appearances. Her website, realityshifters.com. And Cynthia, welcome back. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> So what's, Glad to hear from you. Yeah, good talking to you, too. So what's new, thrilling, and exciting with you? How is this COVID pandemic affecting you and the people that you have the pleasure of working with? Well, I fortunately do most of my work on the Internet. So from that standpoint, it's pretty much business as usual. The only mm. difference is I would have loved to have traveled this year. Yeah. And that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> so, And it's not happening. Uh, there were still a couple things coming up, but everything seems to be going to the internet. So it's a good thing we have the internet. We, we even did our first international Mandela Effect conference via live streaming, and it's on the YouTube channel. So that whole thing is quite a different experience than getting together in person, which I much prefer. So tell me, what, what are reality shifts? Is, is what we're experiencing now with the pandemic and all the different uh, social unrest, is this part of the reality shift that you talk about? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people would say, this has got to be a reality shift. 
it's uh, I can't argue that it isn't. Um, but usually, when when that term is used, what's meant instead? Uh, I found out just this year that it comes under a couple of other names too, um, such as disappearing object phenomenon. Mm -hmm. That's a term coined by a professor in Western University at Australia in Sydney, Dr. Tony Jinks, and also the president of the Society for Psychical Research at Oxford University, Mary Rose Barrington, had a term for it, just one of those things. So it really literally is an experience where objects appear, disappear, transport, or they could transform. I also include, with, with my dis definition of terms, changes in the experience of time, because time and space are very connected, and that could be mm -hmm. me coming with my physics background. Okay, so so how does this happen, and and why isn't this uh, reality shift noticed by everybody? And but it seems to be only noticed by certain people. Right. I think now this is an interesting question because it kind of covers several different layers of awareness. Mm -hmm. I think it, my theory is yeah. that everybody's experiencing it. Um, but having said that, a lot of people totally dismiss, like they set their keys down, they know that they put them somewhere, and they just decide later, like, I must be confused, I must be wrong. Mm -hmm. Other people, like myself, have a place where you always put your keys in a certain place, and if they're not there, they totally have moved. And if there's no one else in the house, we've got a reality shift. So, for, um, so some people are just a little bit more confident, saying, okay, for sure, this is not me spacing out. But I, my feeling is, and I think everyone's lost items of clothing in the laundry. We think that's normal, but how is that normal? I mean, there's obviously something going on where you're losing one sock of the pair. So yes, some people are noticing it more. I've done studies to find out um, who are these personality types. Mm -hmm. It turns out there's a strong correlation, which doesn't, as you know, mean causation right. with intuitive feelers on the Myers-Briggs interest inventory. Explain that to our listeners. Okay. There is a type of psychological test you can take on the on the internet in just a few minutes, and um, you can find out what personality type you are, one of 16 different types. And these are largely grouped into um, sort of binary opposites. So you've got um, introverts and extroverts, for example. That's one people are familiar with. And then you've got you can be intuitive, you can be a feeler, or you can be a sensor. You can be a thinker or a judger. And these have very specific meanings in this sort of psychological framework. And it's useful because when you find out what group you're in, then you can see how rare it is in the population. And it turns out intuitive feelers are pretty rare segments, so they're not the majority uh, of the population. Most people are much more likely to be um, not so much intuitive, but they're they're kind of going with things as they as they figure them out, you know, just based on rational thinking. And that, not that intuition is irrational; it's not irrational. It's just one of a couple of different, you know, it's on a spectrum of different ways of thinking about things. And you hear about left brain, right brain. So the intuition side of it would be the right brain, basically. But and how, so it's, it's kind of rare, but uh, within the realm of people experiencing mm -hmm. reality shifts, it's extremely common. That's the majority of experiencers. Some 70% of the experiencers are intuitive feelers. But how can we take a test on the Internet and then actually add validity to it in order to place it as a, as a, as a part of a reason for why this phenomena is happening. How do we do that? It doesn't explain why it's happening. As, like I said, it's just a correlation, but I find it to be one of the most interesting correlations that I've seen in 20 years of studying the phenomenon. So lots of people wonder, like, why are some people yeah. noticing this more than others? And that's what I've found. Uh, it's just something that came up, and it's not causative. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's no implication that it's causative. So it doesn't mean just because you're intuitive you'll be creating these, these situations where you're more likely to lose your keys, or that's what it looks like to outside obser observers. That, that person is spacey. <laughs> they keep saying that they remember where they put their keys, but they don't. But if you're that person, then you know you do know where you put the keys. They absolutely have moved on you. And you'll notice patterns, like it's happening more when you're not grounded. You're, in other words, you're feeling um, overly affected by today's news, for example. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like highly energized and kind of freaking out. And a lot of people are kind of getting to that point with this 
um, pandemic. So I think a lot of people are, um, you know, more likely to be experiencing the kinds of reality shifts where things seem to be disappearing or relocating rather than the kinds where you're finding extra money in your wallet, which those are the kind that I like. I like the fun kinds where things tend to start going better, but I, I get those experiences when I'm in a different state of emotional uh, calmness and uh, just feeling a real bliss, lots of ecstasy. Like if I've just been meditating or if I've been on a nature walk, which I just came back from just before we did the show. Uh, so then I miss out on the news of the day. Like, I don't know what just happened <laughs> you were referring to, which is a good thing. So I'm more likely to have more of the good kinds of reality shifts where, like I said, money might show up in my bank account or in my wallet. That's good. Um, or uh, just good luck in general. But like, I count these sorts of things um, from things people might call impossible, like literally seeing extra dollar bills show up in my wallet. That is a reality shift. It's it's rather unusual in the sense that a lot of people don't experience that kind, but some people do. Like they'll notice they always have the money they need when they need it. They'll find money in a coat pocket or something like that, something they can believe in. How can we prove this to be a fact and just not a psychological condition that the person who is who is who is finding this, who is able to, you know, use the psychology, well, you know, it was there, I forgot it's there, instead of, you know, like, wow, it wasn't there and it is there. Can this be replicated in a lab or scientifically proven? That would be awesome. And uh, that's why I'm so excited. We've got a nonprofit 501c3 organization, International Mandela Effect Conference, eventually to start investigating these things because we'll be set up to fund uh, research in these areas. Right now, uh, I don't know of any studies that have been set up yet to test exactly this. So far in the field of, like I mentioned, the Society for Psychical Research, um, the kind of studies that have been done are more along the lines of um, what they call ESP or psychic phenomena, telepathy, um, being able to see things at a distance. So this is um, this is kind of on the outskirts even for the paranormal, but I consider it front and center from, again, from my perspective coming from physics, mm -hmm. that's what we want to look at the most. If you have a physics background and you're also interested in the paranormal or parapsychology, you want to look at the mind-matter interface this is all about mind-matter interactions. Uh, but we're, now we're talking about things literally appearing, disappearing, transforming, and transporting. And it, it's difficult to study it in a laboratory environment because of a lot of the reasons that um, people at Institute of Noetic Sciences have noticed. Uh, people who are really good at this sort of thing only tend to do it when they need it. And if they don't actually need it and it's just being conducted in some kind of a test... Um, Sometimes there's some boredom going on, so it's sometimes difficult to replicate the conditions for um, good results. But having that having been said, I know that people are getting some good results recently with a documentary on spoon bending and so forth. So some researchers are getting much better at getting well, laboratory um, results. You, so. you know, you talked about the uh, an experiment with spoon bending. There are other yes. experiments out there that show it's nothing else but a fraud, a hoax. It has nothing to do with anything. So who do, you, who, do you, or... who do you believe? Well, I've, I've actually seen, um, I, I brought a spoon from my house and Uri, Uri Geller bent my spoon. It sort of drooped. Yeah. And then I had a spoon bending party at, at home mm -hmm. subsequently. And I saw my daughter just holding a fork on her wrist, looking out the window. I watched as that fork melted on her wrist and she was a child. So... That was there, there was no magician in the house. It was just friends, and uh, nobody was pulling some stunt or something. Yeah. So I've literally seen a couple of my own pieces of cutlery, cutlery bend, one with Yuri Geller doing it, one with my daughter. And I myself have um, seen a quarter bend. It, it happened in my fingers. Uh, I, I actually... I, I can't say that I bent the quarter, but it right. bent on me. Um, I was trying to insert it into a... Um, a token machine for uh, accepting cash so I could take the underground in our San Francisco Bay area. It's called BART. And I was, um, I was in a big hurry and I had exact change. So I need, I'd, I'd already pre-counted. Exactly listen, I hate to cut you off, but I've got to take my break. Please stand by. <laughs> okay. Exonation. Cynthia Sue Larson is our guest this hour. 
And if you'd like to get more information on Cynthia, her website is realityshifters.com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer And welcome back, everyone. Cynthia Sue Larson is our guest this hour, realityshifters.com. You know, just before we went to the break, you were talking about Yuri Geller. And if my memory serves me correct, in 1973, he was debunked on the Johnny Carson show, and he's been debunked by other people. Um, so once, once again, how do we believe who is legitimate when it comes to things that are out of the norm compared to the claims of debunking these people that have been witnessed by thousands. Yeah, I'm not in, I don't do the debunking myself, so I'm not a debunking expert, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm a witnesser of some rather extraordinary phenomena. And like I said, my daughter bent a fork just by resting it on top yeah. of her wrist. So that was pretty much the same thing Yuri was doing. Um, as far but, as I, 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 all I can say is yeah. maybe he's a magician, maybe he fooled me, but I saw him doing things that looked like they weren't so much magic as, um, you know, that was a legitimate psychokinetic effect is what it appeared to be. Well, and then, people like, because my daughter did the same thing later, and, and there's no magician in our house, how could you explain that it worked for my daughter? So, Is it possible there's something physiological that happens instead of magic mind over matter? Um, you know, Chris Angel, one of the biggest magicians, used to make people believe he could actually fly. And it was all an illusion. So, you know, in, in today's society, people are really looking for something special. They're looking for something more to believe in. And I often wonder how much of this belief is actually perpetrating what they believe to be part of the paranormal. Yeah, belief plays a huge role. And mm -hmm. that can be good or can be bad. And yeah. like you hear about the placebo and the nocebo. So these are like the shadow side is the nocebo yeah. effect where someone believes great harm can come by taking some just totally innocuous substance. And they can be damaged by something that really should have no, has no right or reason or uh, there's there's no scientific reason whatsoever that they should be injured by some sugar pill, but if they believe that it's bad yeah. for them, it can do terrible things and they can get quite ill. Conversely, the placebo effect, placebo just comes from the Latin, I shall please, uh, people that take that can be um, benefited, as originally was discovered by nurses in the field during World War II. Uh, they, had, they ran out of painkiller to give the soldiers so they mm -hmm. just gave um, saline solution salt water in syringes because that's all they had and it was found remarkably to be effective in about one third of the cases really, which yeah. is phenomenal so what can you say about that our belief is powerful and that can be a very good thing tell me as a scientist yourself you know you've got a, a degree i believe from uc berkeley in physics how do you explain this scientifically well, you mean explaining um, the placebo effect? Well, or? not the placebo effect. I'm talking about how do you explain how money just appears in your bank account or in your wallet or your, right. key, or your keys mysteriously uh, manifest in a place where you didn't put them? How do you explain right. this as a physicist? 
Okay, well, my best go at it is to take a look. At, um, I, I build on the work of people who came before me. I'm not pulling something out okay. of thin air. So I look at all of the various quantum interpretations that seem to me to be relevant to the kind of phenomena that I'm witnessing. And what I've noticed is that when I look at the holographic interpretation, which was from David Bohm, which is that there's this oneness, that there's an enfolded and, you know, there's an implicate and an explicate order. <laughs> which just means there's kind of like something on the inside holding it all together, and then there's what we see out, so-called out there. Uh, I love that theory because it really seems – I love the oneness of it, the related, the interconnectedness of it, because it really does seem like that's how things are happening. But I also relate strongly with the multiverse theory. Also, there's a third one I love, which is the transactional interpretation. So those three – Oh, and frankly, I love the Copenhagen. I like I like these different. It's like the blind man and the elephant. Each one of these takes on the quantum, uh, the strange, wild, wild, wacky world of quantum physics. Each of them has some tremendous insights. Uh, what I like about the Copenhagen theory is that there is a collapse of the wave function. This is the theory that you've heard about, where consciousness plays a pivotal role. And you can basically determine what kind of results you get based mm -hmm. on where you choose to observe an experiment some people say you can't think about reality that way but to me uh, absolutely <laughs> we're seeing things like the placebo effect if you view it a certain way it's positive if you view it another it's negative um, that's a simplistic oversimplification um, but so what i like to do is just look at all these different those are four main theories that i'm naming here and i love them all each for their own um, value each of them is of course competing and trying to say they're the main theory, the main interpretation, uh, we still don't have a scientific agreement, uh, even among quantum physicists, of which of these interpretations is the theory. And in fact, we're looking for a theory of everything, which would then bring in the world of the very, very large, the, the universe and so forth. <clears throat> but going back to what I believe in or what I'm, uh, it's not what I believe in, but what I'm theorizing might be responsible for what's going on. It would be a combination of collapsing that wave function with our conscious observation, but mostly it ties in with the fact that we as observers are able to literally jump between these physical re possible realities that what we think is so-called out there and real mm -hmm. is not really that real. And our consciousness is very capable with energy and with focus of moving from one to another. This is where if you do martial arts, or if you do yoga or tai chi or something like that, then you can recognize, aha, I think I've experienced that. Okay, so if there are so many people looking at, um, you know, let's, let's just say bending spoons or reality shifting, and we have all these theories. If there are so many people looking at these theories, how come there's nothing concrete yet? How come they're just theories? Right, and we've had... Oh, gosh, 120 years of quantum physics and still just theories. Um, <clears throat> what we keep finding with quantum physics, even though I've been, uh, it's funny, I went to the, the the premiere of Particle Fever, which is a documentary that I saw at UC Berkeley with physicists. They had a panel of 12 people up there, um, some professors from UC Berkeley. A lot of them worked on the Large Hadron Collider. And what they were saying, some of the students were in the audience with me and they were coming up to the microphones and asking questions of the panel just saying like do you think there's anything for us in the future mm -hmm. looks like everything's been discovered <laughs> I, I keep hearing that but that's ridiculous because what i see with their research and especially in quantum physics um just like what was reported in 2019 the work of researchers in collaboration between uh, the university of vienna austria and edinburgh scotland had found that you could have two observational trusted devices at the same place and same time witnessing two completely different realities so you've got what we're seeing is it appears that there is no such thing there may be no such thing as objective reality that each observational device gets a different answer they're both equally valid so that's the kind of um that, that's the reason that we don't yet have an interpretation that everyone can agree on because uh you know people have their own preferred viewpoints, and we still don't have anything that ties it all together into a, a completely agreed-upon theory of everything. So, it, I don't know. It's, it's a complicated universe. There's it, a lot of mystery out there. 
Is so. <laughs> is it actual mystery, or are we looking for mysteries that aren't really there? We are seeing mysteries. Uh, most of what we know is just a small, tiny sliver of what's knowable, and mm -hmm. we're quite fully aware of that, that we don't know what dark matter and dark energy are, and that's the majority of what's out there. Uh, so so uh, our, our sensory um, range of perception is quite narrow. You know, just if you look at the visible spectrum and take a look at which small segment of it humans are able to comprehend uh, and so forth, every single one of our five senses is very limited. So we're quite limited. We know that there's a pos quite likely probability mm -hmm. that there are many more than the three dimensions of height, width, and length plus time that we're but, but once again, there this, might be a, yeah. but, but once again, it's, this doesn't seem to be the the agreed perception by the majority of of theoretical physicists out there. You mean the reality shift part of it? Yeah, and that's okay. It's okay that they, you know, I think when you look at physicists, they're very focused on their exact area of interest. They're mm -hmm. not. It takes all they've got just to zero in on what they're working on. They're not going to be following um, every single area of parapsychology, nor should they. You know, there are those that definitely are following those um, areas, definitely mm -hmm. are, like Professor Carr, who's a member of the Society for Psychical Research yeah. and um, lived with Stephen, in Stephen Hawking's household right. and so forth and worked with him. So there are quite a few um, people that are in both camps, but it's not necessary for everybody to experience this. I think it's it's becoming more common. I'm definitely noticing that um, gradually, but I'm not expecting that overnight every human on the planet will suddenly say, like, wow, we're bending spoons or pulling extra dollar bills out of our wallets. But, it, but uh, in, that the would be great, but... in the big picture of things, Cynthia, with everything yeah. going on in the world today, what difference will it make? How will this help feed the hungry? How will this help, you know, cure the sick? How will this help home people. I think this is more important than, you know, trying to explain if money does appear out of nowhere. Yeah, this is actually, it's more important than I've been saying, and you're right if you're sensing that, because um, it, when humans get not just um, slightly good at this, but mastery level of this reality shifting, then we don't have to worry about pretty much anything, including um, erratic weather patterns um, you know, earthquakes and you name it, and there's no concern anymore because we can bring our a very high level of consciousness to any situation. But we're not it, there yet. We're, we're we're dealing with missing socks and lost keys. Right, but you know, it, but, just... <laughs> it, but but once again, taking this a little bit more serious than missing socks, if this is such a earth shaking um, practice that can help humanity. Why isn't it being taken more seriously by mainstream science? Actually, um, well, th th there's the usual reason for that, which someone was once jokingly said that we only see advancement in science when the old guard dies off. And I think that's actually uh, more true than people <laughs> might admit. Uh, but have, all joking aside, uh, we actually need to see that this is becoming um, un inescapable, that it's undeniably there, that it's a phenomenon that everyone actually knows what it is. And that actually is happening just by the fact, the virtue of the fact that the public consciousness of the Mandela effect, for example, has now hit the point where it's a, it's got its own Jeopardy category of questions on well, a TV game show. Once again, that doesn't give it credibility. Credibility comes down the line. You know, it's like UFOs, that, that had no credibility. Still Zero. doesn't. Still doesn't. Actually. Well, it's in the New York Times now. Oh, wow. There it, said, now, like, there's a is... reference, right? The New York Times. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and that's just the beginning. You know, it's like you name your favorite sources, it's going to be there. There's go yeah, You name your favorite news sources, I don't care what they are, and they will be covering UFOs seriously within the next decade for sure, regardless what they are, because we've hit that tipping point. How can you say we've hit the tipping point? Let's talk about that when we come back from this commercial break, because... I've been doing this show for 30 years, and I've been talking to the experts in the field, and no one, I mean no one, outside of the world of woo-wooism has said we've passed the tipping point. Not one person. In fact, a number of experts who were pro-UFO are now saying we were wrong. 
We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Are you a skeptic or a believer? Send me your emails. X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com. I'll be back. Don't go away. For some of the other great programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, including a different perspective with Kevin Randall, visit www.xzbn.net. Cynthia Sue Larson is our guest. Her website is realityshifters.com. And tell me about this tipping point in ufology. Well, it's just what I'm observing is that there's, uh, you mentioned 30 years of watching this, and that's a good time frame, because I think what we're seeing is like 30 years ago, that would put us where, 1990, and at that point, I think a lot of people were still assuming, um, as, you know, just across the United States and also the world, that um, there's these it's like, ha, 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 little green man. It's kind mm-hmm. of a joke. Um, yeah. But it was becoming a little bit less of a joke, uh, at least here. I, I admit I live in the Bay Area, <laughs> California. So this is not exactly, you know, the heartland of America or right. anywhere that would be um, more cautious. But just just where I live, it seems like people are uh, familiar with the fact that lots of people have witnessed UFOs. And some people actually say that they can tell the difference between the unidentified flying objects that governments have created that are based on uh, reverse engineered technology that, uh, versus a, alleged alleged reverse technology because we've had people on from area 51 CIA contractors defense contractors four star generals UFO investigators that have changed their stories because There is no evidence to substantiate any claims. Even the Tic Tac gun camera footage is now being turned around as, well, wait a minute, there were technical issues with the gun cameras. Yes, there was an object, but we don't know what that object was now. And they've changed it from, you know, a a UAP to back to a UFO because it's unidentified. So where do we go? How do we start believing yeah, that's a challenge. And that's true for this idea of Mandela effects and reality shifts as well, mm-hmm. because there's a similar pattern that you you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people are going to say that you can't prove this. They yeah. didn't see it. They haven't witnessed it. Um, it's just one person's word against someone else's. So how can you possibly prove it? And that's a good point. Um, this is a highly subjective area. Both of these are, you know, if, if you want to get into it, I think. I've talked to people that say that they've worked on this reverse engineering. You know, I've, I've talked to people who said they've been on these crafts. Um, you know, I, these are people I know, oh, sure. so I, I trust I've, them. I've but, talked to but people. That's just, but that's just me. So yeah. I figure we get, we'll get to a point where people either they'll make their mind up and decide one way or the other and say, okay, I'm going to stay a skeptic. It's, it's like you said, we've got the ability to either be skeptics or believers. Um, Whatever happened to I, being a realist? That's what I miss. Gosh, I miss that so much. Yeah. I mean, I miss it in politics where yeah. you could actually have a conversation and be open-minded, actually listen to the other person respectfully. Mm. I, I, I love that. 
You know, I was talking to a person last week or the week before, Craig. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. He was talking to us about a UFO that is three miles long, 30 stories high, that is circling the earth. And these are the keepers, the watchers. And he's got to deal with these people that in the future he's going to be the he is going to be allowed on board with his family to make a TV documentary on this. Now, come on. Like, I'm sorry. Everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame these days. Like, I've been doing this show five nights a week, four hours a night for 30 years. And you know what? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Technology has changed to a point where there should be more evidence to substantiate the claims of the UFO community, paranormal investigators, Bigfoot researchers. The list can go on and on and on. And everything is the same except the players. I'd recommend, yeah, if you want to look at what would it take for there to be a change and focus your attention and intention on that, I, I, I would suggest that would be the way to go. If you really want to see, like, okay, let's, let's see how this could move forward. And that would be an example of this reality shifting I'm talking about, where you ask my favorite question, how good can it get? Apply it to the situation. Like, I don't know what that would look like for you to get that kind of agreement. Um, but really visualize, what would it take for you to feel like, okay, we've got that? You know, my, my background is in police work, law enforcement, criminal investigations. Okay. I don't deal with anything except evidence. I don't deal with anything except facts. And when it comes to the paranormal, there's next to none. And you see, right. I, wa I want to be a believer, Cynthia. I really do. And that's why I keep going on. Because if there is any proof whatsoever to substantiate any of the claims that I've heard over the past 30 years, I want to hear it. I want to find it. I keep looking for it. That's the only reason for this show. And but, about So th I, I want to repeat that. I'd love for you to find what you're looking for, but you need to picture it pretty darn clearly. You need to, know, you need to tell me and um, the universe, the cosmos, this is what I'm looking for. And be sincere. Really feel it, like with your fullness of totality of focus. Like, what does that look like? I want unequivocal proof. Nothing less. Unequivocal proof that can be replicated. Not a one-shot deal. I want something that not only myself can see, touch, feel, but everyone else. Because if it is real, like... So many people out there claim it to be, but they can't prove it. That's what I want. Right. And I'm just, I, I'd love for you to have that, but I, um, it's I, not going I, to happen. I need to know. Well, <laughs> if you, if you put it like cl really clearly, is it enough for you to have proof for yourself? No, that's the kind of proof some Mandela effect reporters are getting when they research the Mandela effect. Oh. They go into it wondering like, what the heck is this? Is it real? And then they find out, it, for them personally, they get their personal proof. Now, would it be enough to prove it to you? Probably not. But for them, it is. It blows their mind. But why and does it the, blow their mind? What does it accomplish? What does it prove? How does it improve their life? How does it improve the life of anyone else? Is this something that is self-centered? Yeah, this is where the placebo-nocebo comes in. If you come into it with a negative attitude, then... Mm -hmm. It's not going to do much improvement of any kind. Uh, if you start thinking this is the mark of the devil or now we know for sure Satan has arrived or it's all it's mad scientists at CERN are messing with our reality. They've created a black hole. If you are going to any of those dark paths, it will not improve your life. At least I can't think of a single way that it would. Well, first of all, I, don't, a, believe, I don't believe in the devil, number one. I don't believe right. in Satan, number two. Number three, I don't think the scientists in CERN are doing anything wrong except trying to trying to get to answers that a lot of people really won't want to hear. Right. So. Yeah, yeah I'm with you there. Um, so I, I don't go down those dark paths, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are going down those dark paths, especially with the Mandela effect, because they're noticing their Bible has changed. I mean, they'll, they, 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 people that really love their Bible, mm -hmm. they study it constantly. If you tell them what's the animal that lies down with the lamb, They'll say it's um, the lion shall lie down with the lamb. 
But if you look it up now, it never was the lion. It's always been the wolf. So that's the sort of thing that could freak people out. And but then you've could, got people. But could that just not be a change in the interpretation to keep up with the times? And it has nothing to do with the Mandela effect, that this was an editing decision? Yeah, you might think so, but um, I'd say not. And Why? there's no evidence to find. Yeah, when you go dig it, the biblical researchers go digging to find mm -hmm. out about all these changes. That's not the only change. Um, you know, lots of things have changed. And but so they what? go trying to find, like, well, what happened? Was there mm -hmm. some adjustment made? But no, there's no adjustment that was made. So when it comes to the Mandela effect, I'm going to ask you the same question I did before. How is this going to help mankind? Um, by taking the placebo uh, bright side uh, ascription of what's going on. When you, when you ascribe good things to it and recognize, okay, we are becoming sentient beings that are capable of doing what we see proof of in nature, that like with plants photosynthesizing, mm -hmm. they're doing quantum processes, we can too. We can basically sort of jump to the answer, um, just like a, an organism does when it mutates to, to suddenly be able to digest food that it previously uh, it was poisonous to it. So now it can get good nutrition from it. And we can start making use of this on a conscious level instead of only doing it subconsciously, which is, I believe, what we've been doing all along. We've been benefiting subconsciously, as all of nature does, from these very powerful uh, quantum jump capabilities. Um, basically, if you need something, then as a species, we're able to evolve to that next step that we need to attain. And you can see evidence of that. It's not proof. It won't prove it to someone with a police background that you have. But it can get, it can start giving you at least some kind of footing. So hopefully we could uh, – I'd love to create some experiments that would be able to provide the kind of proof you're looking for. I, I don't know how we'll go about doing that, but I think that would be great. So once again, at, at the end of the day, when we look at the Mandela effect and we've – and, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard the examples – you know, everything from the Bernstein bears to whatever, you know, people say it was and they can't find the proof now and it's gone, it's missing, it must have something to do with the Mandela effect when he was in jail. No, he wasn't, you know, big deal. It seems like this is a hobby. Well, I think of it as a wake-up call. Um, to me, it's just this, uh, you see the chaotic times we're in. Yeah. And so this is a time, if ever there was one, for humanity to attain some kind of mm -hmm. superhuman power, if you want to call it that, where collectively we can agree that we need to have lots of things improved. And, you know, we just, it almost needs to happen, if you want to call it magically, magically. It would be nice to have no more problem with um, lots of things. But it, but I'm not going to name them all. Sure, but. yeah, I, I understand that. But isn't this like putting your head in the sand because you can't face reality, so you come up with your own virtual world? No, this is taking ideas from the imaginal realm and bringing them into physical reality. And so it's basically being a creator, like being Bob Ross painting your happy little trees on your canvas mm -hmm. and then having those happy little trees in reality. Uh, I'm just joking, but you know, basically that's what we're looking at. Just anything that you can imagine is seems like it's possible if you need it and if you love it and if you want it and there's enough energy directed toward that and enough people are agreeing on it that literally can happen i know that sounds like the definition of wishful thinking what i'm saying is it, it looks like quantum physics is set up to provide us with the power to be very creative um, evolved humans much more than we've ever previously experienced on a conscious level uh, and so that you can think of it like our next step of conscious evolution. But why have we had to wait for quantum physics if this is in fact something that is real? Aren't we just saying, well, geez, you know, we didn't hear about it until now and, you know, it's been here all the time, all along. We just didn't know how to use it. Our shaman knew how to use it. The yogi masters knew how to use uh -huh. it. Uh, but you're right. The general populace was usually kept in the dark. They were not brought up to speed um, and you might say like oh i don't believe in shamans that's been debunked whatever yeah. but um i, I there, there's such a long 
thousand year history that there are a lot of people that would say that's not completely bunk. There are shamanic healing practices. For example, all of our Western medicine, all of our pharmacology, most of it came from the rainforest from shaman who knew right. what these plants did. Okay, so. stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, Cynthia Sue Larson is our guest. www.realityshifters.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Back everyone, Cynthia Sue Larson's our guest. Uh, let me see, realityshifters.com. You know, you were talking about a shaman before we went to the uh, final break here. Uh, a lot of shamans use psychotropic drugs in order to get to where they're going, or they go into sweat lodges and cause physiological effects that are not really suggested by, by a lot of doctors. So are we supposed to look at these people who've practiced for thousands of years, taken psychotropic drugs, put themselves on the edge of mental imbalance, and say, wow, they're on to something? No, I'm actually, <laughs> that would be ludicrous. Yeah. Um, uh, there are other methods for getting into that state of trance that is um, reckon, utilized by most shamans, and a number of different methods, not just psychotropics, there's drumming, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into yeah. all of the different ways, but it's, it's, and that's definitely not what I'm recommending. I don't use psychotropics myself, nor do I recommend that people automatically go that route. It's not necessary for um, experiencing these quantum jumps and reality shifts and Mandela effects that I'm discussing, mm -hmm. but instead, just the open-minded awareness that maybe these things might be happening. That's that is essential to at least be open-minded to the okay. possibility now, now, that now, this could. I'm be just happening. going to just going to hold you here for a second because you said the possibility that these things might be happening. Right. Why wouldn't you say to notice these things are happening? You're saying, well, they might be happening. I'm op I'm opening the door a crack for people instead of pushing their door full open to walk into my world. Uh, I would not foist my world experience on anyone. Well, what unless, how did you get involved they... in all this? <laughs> I started experiencing um, rather epic, large-scale uh, reality shifts of uh, just huge changes of people being alive again that I know had died Um I, my roommate's cat was alive again that had been hit by a car. And, you know, I've seen uh, lots of things appear out of nowhere that, like the sundial sculpture at the Berkeley Marina, that is a gigantic concrete sculpture uh, about 20 feet high or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe six meters high. It's gigantic. And children climb on it and it's enormous. But that was not there um, all the times that I used to visit that that area with two friends of mine that were high level managers at Citibank. So these are, uh, we, together we witnessed the arrival instantly. Like there is something that had never been there before that was blocking the path that we used to walk through 
And right as I was discussing reality shifts and asking them, have you ever noticed Mm -hmm. reality shifts? And they said, well, hold that thought. Um, Have you ever seen this statue right in front of us? And I said, that is a reality shift. So we had one as we were talking about it. Okay, so let let me ask you this. This statue that was in front of you, did it manifest itself while you were walking to it? Or was it there when you, or did you just notice it? I noticed it. Uh, in that case, um, there have been times I've literally seen things. Um, I've heard milk fall into the re- closed refrigerator as I stood on the outside of it. We had no animals or midgets or magicians inside the device. It just um, I had no milk in the refrigerator. I just opened the door and checked. I was talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. I heard a thump, and so I opened the door, and there's a half gallon of milk. Well, now, why would uh, a half gallon of milk automatically or magically appear in your fridge? I was out and I needed it, but I can't explain why. Um, it's I've had food appear lots. I've had crystals. You name it, it's pretty much happened to me. But I do not foist this on people. So when I say imagine that it's possible, that's what I'm recommending. I do not recommend that people suddenly jolt mm-hmm. themselves into a shocking level of shifts of reality that are hard for them to cope with because it could lead to craziness. I mean, people could really feel like they're losing their minds. So how do we know whether a person has lost their mind or is delusional and nothing is really happening, but they're imagining that this is happening? Right. I did ask, uh, because when I went through a kundalini awakening, I I asked that exact question, because I was worried about my own sanity, Mm -hmm. to my brother-in-law, who's a psychologist, and he was telling me... um, Basically, he asked me a series of questions, and uh, it, it looks like what psychologists look for is that you're high-functioning and that you can tell that other people do not see some of the strange things that you're witnessing. So you can tell what other people are experiencing and what they're not experiencing, and you can accomplish things in your daily life, like good hygiene habits are important, and doing your work and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm very high-functioning. When I'm on juries, I'm always, I've consistently been selected as the foreman of every jury I've been on. So I'm not dysfunctional. And people that are experiencing reality shifts are not necessarily crazy. I even even tell people when I'm selected for juries that this is what I believe in. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they put me on the jury, but it's happened. So I don't know. But I do know that what people look for is that you can, you've got a good grip on what what everybody can agree upon, consensus reality. Of course I know what consensus reality is. But I'm also keenly aware that there are some other things going on. And I, I'm looking to see what could be the reason for that. And I'd love to know how the, how we can evolve as a species, as the human um, you know, homo sapiens, to something that's much more wise than we've ever been before. Because I think we need that level of wisdom. And I believe that this phenomenon, the Mandela effects, uh, can bring that to us. If we accept the invitation to make this a conscious phenomenon, not leave it just to our shamans to be aware of it, but for all of us to recognize this is something that we can start playing with. It's safe to play with. It, we can see the, the good of it and the placebo effect, and we can get tremendous advantages from it. So are you trying to interfere with the normal progression of evolution by skipping a few steps using the the uh, reality shifts? Not at all. I would here reference the work of Dr. Carl Kalman. He's a Swedish physicist who has written books um, about, um, I think the one I'm referring to is the nine waves of creation. Mm-hmm. You, you may have heard of the Mayan prophecy of 2012. So oh, yeah, the one that didn't work, and there was nothing else but a bunch of hype. Yeah, I remember that one. So that's where the people say the Mandela effect came in, right there. The oh, technology come on. that come on, yeah. come on, you've got to be kidding me, really? No. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, now, I myself has, have been aware of the Mandela effect since the '90s. Actually, all my life I've witnessed it, but I didn't um, really start calling it something reality shifts until uh-huh. uh, the 1990s. Previous to that, Philip K. Dick was keenly aware of the phenomenon. He wrote about it, not necessarily calling it the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Art Bell noticed it, actually did call it the Mandela well, effect in April one, of 2001. Yeah. So we've got a long history of a lot of people noticing it. Um, but the main population of the planet really started becoming aware of it. And you can see proof of this with Google 
analytics, you can see that right around 2012, that's when the Mandela effect started well, that, really taking off. But, the, you know, the same analytics can be used to prove that Santa Claus is real, the Easter Bunny is real, the Sandman is real, the Tooth Fairy is real. The same analytics that Google used prove that Santa Claus is real if you want to take it to that step. Yeah, that's an interesting – I love that you brought that up because Santa Claus, if you look at the North Pole, I remember – I don't know what you remember. Do you remember there used to be Santa's Village up on the North Pole with the – I used to see this little candy-striped cane. Do you remember that? Uh, and I and I think about Santa's Village and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but now that's impossible because there is no – there's no um, – there's no continent of Arctica. There's no constant body of snowy ice landmass up there where there could be such a workshop. It's just ocean. So that's another uh, Mandela effect. I, I'm glad that's, you touched that's on that. That's not a Mandela effect. Come on. That, I do, that's kids. If, you know, if you, for you those know, of us that remember that I looked at globes and I'd see that snow mass, I've traveled the world. I, I, all my childhood we'd get on an airplane fly around the world i'd see that there's snow mass i didn't see santa's workshop but well, of course there not. was enough to see that you know there's snow up there it's it's um you know there definitely is this snowy uh, little i didn't i didn't go to the north pole but it looks like it looked like it was probably up there so so what, I, I, so, what, so what, let me see if i've got this straight so yeah. what you're say what you're saying is there's no snow in the arctic I'm saying there's no longer a continent of Arctica. There's no longer a year-round snowy place where there could be, that you could actually point at a globe. The globes don't even have it anymore. And and show a child, that's where Santa's workshop might be. Because it's not on the globes. It, apparently it never was. What, even what though I do remember that it was. Uh -huh. I remember in the 1960s, the globe in my classroom did have the continent it had this little arctica little snowy mass up at the north pole oh, i'm looking i'm looking at a map right now and it shows the arctic region i'm looking at pictures right now that show snow in the arctic that's good and, i'm just this, saying that this if you is look on at the a internet. globe yeah it's, it's like these school globes that they make they um they never did have snow there um but i do remember that they did so it's the difference in the memory and it's not something that you're going to – I mean, you can look at various maps and see different mm -hmm. things. What I'm talking about is the globes themselves that were in the classrooms. Maybe they didn't have them in, in Canada. Yeah, I don't we, know. We, yeah, but in, in the we're, United we're, States, they had know, them in the classrooms. You know what? We're a, pretty, uh, we're a pretty advanced civilization up here in Canada. We actually had globes in our classrooms. Good. <laughs> and, you know, I I, I'm, I'm looking at a bunch <laughs> of globes on Google right now that show the snow-covered part of the Arctic. So that's good. So yeah, how, okay, what, how, what's different is these um, the globes themselves have changed for some people, and that's what I. I it, it's a very subjective phenomenon, is what I'm describing. So anytime you see one of these things, it's not good. It's going to be shades of gray, which is pretty much the way quantum physics works. It's not going to be. No, well, wait a sec. Hold on here. Hold on here. Hold on. Let's get back to reality okay. for a second here. Yeah. Okay. You said that the globes did not have. The Arctic snow. The classroom globes. Right. Like, that's what I'm looking at. Right. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at right now. The one in my house. Online. They used to have. Yeah. Okay, and they have them. Well, that that's great, but I'm just saying that the globe that I, I have a school lunchbox that has Charles Schultz's signature without the T, but it okay. used to have a T. You know, I've seen things change that in my possessions. Copies of movies that I own are now different. So I'm saying, from my point of view. This is the way the Mandela effect works, and it's not going to be true of every single experiencer, which is a common misperception that it, it, that everyone should yeah. agree. I'm going to reference here the research of 2019, the scientists working in co collaboration between Vienna, Austria, and Edinburgh, Scotland. They noticed that they can have two observational devices at the same place, same time. Two different realities were observed, not an objective reality. That's the crux of this Mandela effect. That's what we're witnessing. So do I have a th – I can't tell you for sure what, what you're going to see when you look at a given globe or map. Wow. That's not the point. The point would be for those people but, that do remember having seen something, but the point whether is, it's the their point, Bible the point or their is, The point is that you said it wasn't there. I'm looking at pictures. My globe Where is at my there? house had it, and then it did not. So, it's so like, it disappeared off your globe. 
Right. Like I've seen. Um, All right, Cynthia, we've got to say goodnight for tonight. And because you're a little loopy and I think it's time for you to take your meds and take a nice warm glass of milk. And maybe you'll feel better in the morning. And who knows, maybe the snow will be back on your globe in the morning. But as I like to say sometimes, here in the Exxon, we deal in reality. And, you know, you're the one who brought it up that there was no snow on the globe. And I'm looking at one, two. Craig, how many do we count? More than 42, and this was just in about five minutes. We found no references to the Mandela effect and 2012. Man. Psychotropics. That's all I can say to that. And, of course, with that comes... Another one bites the dust here on the Exxon. Hey, listen, if you want to come on this show, you better be prepared. Because here we were searching for answers, but we demand the truth. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey, hey, we're gonna get you to. Another one bites the dust. Yeah.